quick questions about Congress with Kilmer. Hi, this is Representative Derek Kilmer from Washington State's 6th District welcoming you back to my podcast called Quick Questions About Congress with Kilmer. To say, today I'm sitting down with Representative Jared Huffman from California's 2nd District. Welcome, Jared. Good to be with you, Derek. So I always like to find out, um, what is California's 2nd District? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so it is the north coast of California, from the Golden Gate Bridge to the Oregon border. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful coastal district like yours. I've got some working harbors. I've got big trees and a lot of forest lands. Um, it's a spectacular place, and we want you to come and see us. Um, so other than uh, the Kilmer family tourism, um, are there other uh, big industries that kind of drive your district? So world-class wine in uh, Sonoma and Mendocino County. Um, we have a lot of tourism, especially places like the Mendocino Coast, Point Reyes National Seashore. I'm kind of park rich, yeah. so I've got Redwood National Park. And then, um, kind of a fun fact, about 60% of the marijuana in America is grown in my district. So fertile soil. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, um, uh, tell us a little bit how you got your start in public service. What got you into this? Water and fish. Uh, I am uh, an environmentalist like yourself. Among it, We're not just environmentalists, but uh, I love the outdoors, and I got very active in California water policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, ran for my local water board, eventually the state assembly, chairing the water committee. And uh, gosh, here I am in the U.S. Congress, and I'm the ranking member on the water subcommittee at Natural Resources, so I feel like I'm, I'm in my element. When you, you you and I came in together in 2012, was it an open seat when you ran? It was. I had a, like you, I had a longtime predecessor, 20 years in Congress, uh, Len Woolsey. Mm-hmm. And what made you pull the trigger to run for Congress? Term limits in the state legislature. <laughs> so uh, like so many of our colleagues, yeah. uh, you know, it's a lot of luck and timing that brings one to Congress, and it just worked out perfectly. Yeah. And, and was your primary interest in wanting to serve here to work on water issues, or were there other things that motivated you to, you know, there's obviously someone with your background, there's plenty of things you could do. What, what, why Congress? Uh, water, climate change, the whole array of natural resource issues and, and everything else that, that we do. This is the big arena on so many consequential issues. So, um, you know, it's the big leagues. And I think, you know, once you've served in the state legislature and uh, you enjoy the, the kind of difference you can make there, uh, if you have an opportunity to be in Congress, you got to look at it. How do you find this in contrast to the state legislature? <laughs> well, I don't know how Washington was, but in California, uh, we were, as, as Democrats, we had a very large majority, and we were gracious in exercising that majority. I, I used to love working with Republicans. We would actually seek out their collaboration, and it, I always felt good when I could get some Republicans on one of my clean energy or environmental bills, and we could. Um, that doesn't happen so much here. I don't know what your experience has been, but th- this is much much more of a majoritarian place. Our bills don't get hearings. Uh, we're largely shut out uh, unless we, you know, really, really speak up and do things like the sit-in on gun violence this last summer. Mm-hmm. How have you generally found it in, in D.C.? As still a reasonably new member, um, you know, I imagine it was somewhat of a shock to your system coming from the state legislature. Uh, what's your general take on this place? This place is so different. Um, it's so much bigger. Our fractional share of power here is so much smaller, so I think it takes a while to learn how to leverage your lonely little position in the House of Representatives. I, 
I suspect you've had the same experience, but you know, going into our fifth year now, we're you know we're beginning to figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. But you understand why it takes some time. Yeah. So what have you figured out? Well, uh, you, you've got to have associations and coalitions and caucuses. You've got to build relationships. You've got to uh, kind of establish your bona fides on a few issues where people look to you. Yeah. You mentioned some of the issues that drove you to be here. Are there issues that you think Congress ought to pay more attention to that it, it up to this point has failed to? Oh, my God. I mean, look at districts like ours. Ocean acidification, which you have uh, had the vision and the and the courage to jump out in front on, is enormous. It's one of the aspects of climate change that is that is maybe the most overwhelming uh, if we don't do something about it because it's going to wreck not only the ocean uh, ecology but the entire ocean economy. And mm-hmm. in districts like ours, that's a big big problem. Are you starting to see impacts of climate change in your district already? Very much so. So we both have shellfish growers in our districts. Yeah, and. Uh, we are already seeing that uh, my shellfish growers, at least, have to very carefully measure the acidity of the water because at certain times a year, their eggs can't germinate. They can't produce oysters. Mm-hmm. And so they'll have to cut off feed water and wait for the acidity to stabilize. And, and it's only going to get worse. Yeah. So that's an issue that you think Congress ought to get more focused on? Well, it's one of many issues where a, a serious interest in science would be a good start. Right. That's a dirty word around here. <laughs> and and um, since you came here to work on water issues, I know, you know, certainly uh, California water issues are, I, I feel like I need an advanced degree in, in California water policy. But uh, as someone who was driven to work on those issues here, how have you find, found working on that? Well, you don't get a chance to work on it here. Uh, what happens is you can come up with wonderful bills, and I've done that, others have done that. Uh, instead of having serious hearings and a deliberative process to tackle a very complex uh, issue like that, uh, the other side has chosen to sort of lay in wait and uh, attach some special special interest uh, rider onto a must-pass bill like they did with WERDA uh, in the last session at the end of the year. Can you say more about that? Just as, you know, the certainly probably the folks from my district yeah. um, who aren't living and breathing these issues may not have followed that closely. All right, well, I'm going to try to do it so they don't completely glaze over. Yeah, exactly. Because it is complicated. So the, the California Bay Delta is a really critical estuary. It's where the San Joaquin and Sacramento rivers come together. It feeds into San Francisco Bay. And it's actually one of the most important estuaries on the whole west coast of North and South America. Um, there are a couple of endangered species right now that affect the operations of real, two huge water projects, the California State Project and the Federal Central Valley Project. And there are peer-reviewed scientific biological opinions that establish what kind of outflows are needed at what time to keep these fish from going extinct. Well, in the final days of the last session, um, the House Republicans attached a provision that would simply legislatively override those biological opinions and allow more water to be diverted to farmers in the Central Valley instead of keeping those fish from going extinct. Mm -hmm. And they put it into a really big water infrastructure bill that many of our colleagues were depending on because there was billions of dollars of projects and most of our colleagues had important things in their districts. So they made it very difficult for anyone, anyone to vote no. And then they also put relief for the poor folks in Flint, Michigan into that same bill. So it's very, uh, insidious, you might say, strategic, they might say, uh, and it succeeded. They blew a hole in the Endangered Species Act. 
I use that as an example when I'm talking to folks back home about the challenges, you know, particularly from the minority of deciding how to vote on something, right? Where uh, either way, you have to hold your nose and vote one way or the other. I mean, I look at that bill, and there was stuff that not only was I supportive of, there was stuff I fought to get in that mm-hmm. bill. And then at the same time, because of some of these provisions that impacted species, we've had we've had five fisheries disaster declarations just in my time in yeah. office off the coast of Washington State. And so, you know, fr- frankly, the rural communities that I su- that that I represent can't handle more disaster declarations. And I worried that that bill was going to exacerbate the problem. You uh, did the right thing, I believe. It's because uh, once this strategy starts to succeed, if they can just write away the biological opinion for the Delta smelt and the winter run Chinook salmon in California, they can do it for your fish too. And really they can do it for any endangered species that becomes inconvenient for one of their favorite special special interests. Mm And so, I think it's good that we took a stand. We weren't successful, uh, but I think we'll see this strategy come at us a lot in this Congress. If you could change anything about Congress, what would it be? I would make it more deliberative and less majoritarian. Mm -hmm. I really think any member that has a bill that's a good idea ought to get a hearing and a vote on that bill. Mm -hmm. And so many partisan games are played around here. And I hope that if you and I ever find ourselves in the majority, that we will run a better shop because this is just no way to, to run a railroad. Yeah. I came out of a legislative body also, and it was a reasonably functional one. Bills got hearings, you know, um, often, more often than not, got votes, and uh, uh, that is definitely a difference. Difference here. What do you think would surprise your constituents back home? You know, if if there's something uh, that you think folks could know about Congress that maybe they don't know. Wow. Um, well, it's a very idiosyncratic place. And um, coming from the state legislature, you, you, know, you think you're well prepared to sort of just step right in and seamlessly function. Uh, you're really not. There's so many things about this place. Um, there aren't a lot of serious deliberative hearings where testimony is taken and questions are asked in earnest. Most of the question time by members is used to make speeches. And, you know, it's just a lot of political theater. Mm-hmm. We've got to do better at some point. We've got to maybe import some of the deliberation and and function that we had in our state legislatures and and bring them to Washington because I think that would make a big difference um what what um you, you so you talked about coming from a legislative background what did you do pre public service I'm a lawyer don't uh-huh. hold that against me no no yeah. um uh, now I also know that you were quite a successful volleyball player too right Yes. And, you know, volleyball is not only a wonderful sport to watch every time the Olympics comes around, um, it's actually the ultimate team sport. And so uh, I learned a lot from volleyball that still helps me out. What what applies from being a were – you, you were, like, on the national team, right? I was on the national team. Didn't actually get to play in the Olympics, but kind of traveled the world uh, wearing the USA, and we were ranked number one in the world at that time. So I played with a lot of gold medalists. So other than um, learning teamwork, are there any other lessons from volleyball world that apply to Congress? Absolutely. Uh, work ethic, discipline. Um, See, I thought you were going to say blocking and spiking. But, uh. <laughs> well, if we're in the majority, we could. Well, I guess we do some blocking, don't we? <laughs> we try. So you do the spiking in the majority, perhaps. I, I hope to do that someday. <laughs> um, so tell me uh, what your commute's like. When we finish votes on a Friday at 
you know, one o'clock. Uh, w- what happens to you? I bet it's a lot like yours. So I'm usually on about a three thirty or four o'clock flight to San Francisco, mm-hmm. and we've got direct flights on United, and then I drive about fifty minutes to my house. Okay, is that similar? To- we don't have a flight until six six fifty. So yeah. we I have to hang out. Um, usually get some work done. This place gets real quiet real quick. Very doesn't quickly, it? yeah, very quickly. But I have, I have about the same uh, drive afterwards. What do you do on the plane? Um, a lot of reading. Uh, it's actually my m- most productive time because mm-hmm. I my phone can't ring and uh, uh, generally I don't uh, use the Wi-Fi. So it's time for me to catch up on all my homework. Un- uninterrupted work time. Yeah, but you sneak a movie once in a while, so right? So I, 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 I do hop on the Alaska Airlines Wi-Fi, and I usually I write a lot. Um, I, I'll do constituent letters or email newsletters. Do and you still write that letter to your kids? I do, yeah. Your constituents know about that? Um, well, probably not, but um, yeah. Every, <laughs> so that's on the way to D.C. I, at the beginning of each trip, I write my daughters a letter just trying to explain to them what we're doing that week and why I'm leaving them for a few days and mostly it's trying really to help cool. them understand uh, why dad's gone as much as he is. And um, Do you have kids? I do, and I, I try to do that with my 16-year-old daughter, but yeah. I, I can't get her to respond. She's, <laughs> <laughs> she's not really wanting to hear from dad right now, but I, I think when she's 21, 22, you know, she, they tell me they come back to you. I'm 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 hoping for you and hoping for a future me. Um, so you mentioned so I do occasionally catch a movie on the plane. Um, my first job was working in a video store in Port Angeles, Washington. Oh so God. I got to ask. It's not fair to ask what your favorite movie is because narrowing it to one is very difficult. But are there uh, a handful of movies that pop out at you as the Huffman favorites? I'm going to tell you something that I'm really enjoying right now. It's actually a series on Netflix that I've been watching with my kids and, and my wife. Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. Have you seen it? I watched it with my kids. Is that awesome or what? That's really good, yeah. (laughs) Although I can't get my daughters to stop saying, I am figuratively asking you to do that. (laughs) I was like, no, you're literally. (laughs) So that's good. Any other other Huffman movie favorites? You know, it's mostly uh, binge-watching shows these days and and not so much movies. Okay. So uh, I'm pretty into Homeland. This is a great show, yeah. Yeah. let me just wrap up. I want to ask, uh, you know, in the in the now a little more than four years you've been representing California's second district. Um, what was what was the best day on the job? Two best days. Okay. One was uh, when I got to be in the Oval Office for the signing of an executive order that put into effect a bill that I had passed out of the House, couldn't get it through the Senate, but it created a, a new national monument on the Mendocino County coast in my district. That was fantastic. It's a good day because it was a lot of work, I'm sure. It was a lot of work, and it's just really already paid off. We've got tourism is up, and people are so proud to have it. So we're, we're very excited about that. Second best day, or maybe the best day, you know, it's close, is uh, the, uh, the gun violence sit-in that we did with John Lewis. I felt like I was something, a part of something, you know, bigger than myself uh, with this icon from history. We're all so fortunate to know John Lewis. Yeah, uh, that was a pretty remarkable moment. Yeah, he's an incredible person. I helped him get his voting card out of the voting machine yesterday, and um, it was nice when my kids when I called home last night and they said, "What'd you do today?" and I said, "I helped civil rights icon John Lewis get his voting card out of the machine." What did you do today? <laughs> so, <laughs> not too shabby. No. Well, listen, um, I appreciate you taking a little time with us and giving us a sense of what brought you here and 
uh, how you're navigating this place and a little sense of your district. So thank you, Jared Huffman, for being with us. Thank you for having me, Derek. Your constituents are lucky to have a guy as smart and hardworking as you. Thanks. Right back at you.